So if you're interested in finding out why Canada is going to be a fantastic real estate investment opportunity, pay attention to this upcoming episode. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. I'm going to keep this intro tight, short and sweet, to the point. You know, I think I say that each and every other time, and then it ramb- I ramble on for another five, six, seven, ten minutes. People are probably going, Russell, let's just get right to it. The reason why I'm going to keep this one short and sweet is because this was a guest appearance that, of that I was on. So you're going to hear an awful lot of me for the next, you know, let's call it an hour and a bit, because I was a guest on uh, The Truth About Real Estate Investing with Urban Zito. Good friend of mine, fantastic friend. And we had a wonderful conversation. And this one, I get a, I had a chance to update Irwin on some of the projects I'm working on, some of the exciting opportunities. And the main thing I really dove into here was, um, and, and it was maybe, maybe I had a little bee in my bonnet that morning. I don't know why. Maybe it was something in my cornflakes that morning or my weedy cereal, you know, uh, but more, more like a egg white omelet. So I was seeing all these investing opportunities just bombarding my inbox with, you know, go to the States, go to Arizona, Texas, Florida, Spain, Portugal, everybody in their dog is going somewhere else. And I'm sitting there going, guys, I think we're honestly missing the boat in Canada here. Canada is poised to have an incredible run um, economically and also real estate-wise as well, which we all know a real estate market is based upon the economics that is underpinning the market. That's what will drive the real estate market. That's one of the things I'm seeing out in the marketplace right now is everybody talking about the sales numbers and the price numbers and the short-term this and this price sold for more than this and this price more sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars less than what it sold for four months ago. Guys, the prices and the sales numbers is the end. That's the result of everything that's led up to it before. The economics, the in-migration, the people, the fundamentals that drive a market. Now, I'm, I'm working on another in-depth research presentation. No different than if you're following the podcast when I did one on Calgary versus Edmonton. I'm going to be doing one on talking about why Canada, right? We're going to be talking about why Canada, why Canada real estate. And I'm going to do it very in-depth analysis on it, research-driven, as you know, we do, isn't it? what you know my team and what I do is I bring out a lot of really good fact-based research because real estate is just so much more than just the price, okay? There are so many underpinning economic fundamentals that drive a market, and I want to tell you the real story, and I want to get to the bottom of that. So anyways, that's upcoming. In this episode, I had an opportunity to share with Erwin about some of the things that I'm working on, some of the things I'm working on in Alberta, some of the things working on on a national basis. I even did talk to him. You know, I'm going to contradict my words here a little bit, too, is I did talk to him a little bit about a project and some things I'm working on down in the States, down in the Texas area. And the only reason I am brought that up is because I do have people that are asking me all the time, well, I don't like Canada anymore for whatever reason. I don't know why. Oh, and then well, I don't want to invest in Alberta. Well, a bunch of rednecks out there. Okay. Don't want to invest in Alberta. Don't want to invest in Edmonton. Don't want to invest in Canada. And they say, well, what about the States? And I go, okay, well, here's an opportunity in the States. And I'm co-partnering with a friend of mine who has an incredible business model down in the Texas, down in the Austin area as an opportunity down there as well. But that's not my primary focus. My primary focus is, honest to goodness, I'm Canadian and my opportunities, and I think Canada right now really truly has a generational opportunity ahead of it and ahead of us. And that's what I'm going to share with everybody here in this upcoming episode. I almost felt like that old you know, for many of you, I might be dating myself and showing my age here a little. I think it was a Molson Canadian commercial where the guy was standing up in front of a group of people and talking about all these wonderful things that Canada has and and all these things as, you know, the beaver and the maple syrup and all this stuff. And I am Canadian. <laughs> That's what I almost felt like it was. But I truly am. I'm proud of this country. And call me and accuse me of being a homer. I don't care. No problem. I am a Canadian. This wonderful country of ours truly has an amazing opportunity in front of them. If we just kind of get out of our own way, and if we have the courage to step into the limelight to be a leader on this world economic stage. 
Okay, gang. Well, once before we do dive into this, I want to thank Irwin for being a guest on this podcast. So if you are listening to this and you also subscribe to Irwin's podcast, um, you probably would have heard it about a month ago. Um, I do have his permission to bring it out and I wanted to bring it out to you again. Maybe you listened to it at that time and maybe you want to hear it again. Because remember, you don't hear the same message twice the same way. So by all means, lean into this one again. And maybe you hear something a little different this time than the time you heard the last. Okay, gang. With all that being said, you know, stick around right to the end. Got a quick little message to wrap everything up here with for you. And with all that being said, please help me welcome to the podcast, Mr. Irwin Zito. Hello, Russell. Good to see you, brother. Like I said before we're recording, it's, it's just like scrambling to get stuff done before I come visit you. Because <laughs> that's the lone reason yes. we're coming to Vancouver. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was uh, I I went to a live networking event a couple oh, yeah, weeks yeah. ago now. Uh-huh. And I walked in and I honestly I, I didn't know how to there's people here and we all look like, what do we do? Are you real? Yeah. Are you real? It's like it was like yeah. it was it was awesome. It was great to connect and have some wonderful conversations and shake people's hands again. And it was it was fantastic. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and you and your lovely wife out here yeah, in yeah. a couple and of days. Yeah, my kids. It's more of a family trip. So it's not we're not we're doing very limited business on this trip. Um, yeah. Have you uh changed your mind about golf? I'm not, I can't bring my clubs and yeah, this is kid focus. You can rent clubs, by the way. I know, I know. But uh, maybe when the kids are older, then we can golf. But uh, this is a more of a family vacation, more above all. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the only reason I ask is I don't golf anymore, and I need hey, I right. need an excuse to be able to go out and golf. Still clean and if my it was clock. like Ir- Irwin's <laughs> all the way here from Toronto, I have to go golfing. Oh, jeez, oh, twist my arm, Irwin. <laughs> Wait, when you're out this way, when you're out this way, I, I can I'll try to convince one of my Hamilton friends that to let us golf there. Nice. Nice. I look forward to it. Look forward to it. So first of all, Erwin, thank you. You know, um, honored to be able to speak to your 17 and 17 listeners and, mm-hmm. and try to share, shed some light on some things that are going on and, you know, maybe do a little song and a dance and, you know, wherever, wherever you want this conversation to go. I'm just honored and I value our friendship and I value everything you've always provided to myself and my family. So just wanted to thank you before we get started. Thank you, Russell. And thank you for coming on the show. As always, we focus on quality on this show above all else. Oh, well, uh, I better hang up now. Then. <laughs> uh, gee, you, you know, you have a best-selling author behind you. Can you bring him on? Can you find me someone who's done more than 100 properties that you, you know yeah. anyone? <laughs> uh, yeah. However, I probably have made more mistakes and I've done success. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always open to share everything. And right, sometimes... Right. The failure and the the mistakes are the better teacher than you know only hitting home runs and bottom of the ninth grand slams, right? You you learn more from the missteps than you do from any of the um the successes that you will ever do. Mm-hmm. And I keep telling my lovely wife, I go, if that's the case, holy moly, I've we're, there's something big coming for us down the pipe here. <laughs> you bring up a great point, but also at least leads me to something else. In current correction that we're in, I don't even know if you guys even feel it at all in, in Alberta, but we're here in Ontario, we're down, in most markets, we're down around 15%. Dep- it's, it varies depending on what the asset is, but for the stuff that I look at for investment grade, we're probably down around 15%. So we're probably pushed back to like December, November of last year. But what saves all of us is we, we've always focused on positive cash flow. Now, how important it has it been for you that your portfolio of positive cash flow from the beginning, like over a decade ago? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, to the point where people would sit there and go, Russ, you're such a broken record. You keep talking about what the income that the asset generates is one of the most important things. The price is not that important, but you have to have enough income mm-hmm. to support the asset. And people just eventually become Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, wah, 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 right. wah, all right? Interesting is, um, so to succinctly answer your question, out in Alberta, we're not really seeing anything at the moment. As a matter of really? fact, we have a lot of- Even with interest rates a, going up, nothing. Yeah, we, we, see, um, we see a little slowdown in sales. Instead of it being, you know, record sale, it's still, it's like plus 4% sales or it's, it's flat to a year ago type thing. It's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing going down. As a matter of fact, I'm actually welcoming it because oh, yeah, I see, <laughs> I, I'm seeing what's happening and- my business partner and I were just sitting there going, it was unsustainable what was happening for the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just gives us a little bit of a pause to actually fill the tank up with some more good assets again. And and the numbers are better than ever. Like mm-hmm. to be brutally honest, I'm, you know, and I know this might sound really bad if a tenant is listening to this, but we're, we're raising our rents significantly, like you significantly. Um, there's been no inflation. 
So you shouldn't you shouldn't raise your rents because there's been no inflation at all. <laughs> but here's the thing, Erwin. In my personal opinion, out in Alberta, we're so under rented compared to other markets. Like I'm renting a house, like a full brand new spanking house, for like two thousand dollars a month <sighs> in the fourth largest city in the country. It's renting for two thousand bucks. I, I have conversations with people that are renting condos out your neck of the woods for $2,400 for six, uh, 600 square feet. I'm renting 2,000 square feet for 2,000 bucks. Dollar square foot, sounds fair. <laughs> and then especially when you factor in the incomes that the people make in the province, they make significantly more in income and they keep more because the taxes are less, right? They don't have right. PST as just a starting point. Right. So they can afford to pay more. Like we were just negotiating humming and hawn. And we were raising our rents 175 bucks a month across many of our properties. So going from 2000 to say, let's say 2175. And even the market's a little bit higher than that uh, for rentals. Um, we're getting, you know, back in the good old days of you put an ad up and you get 150 phone calls. We're starting to get those again out in, in Edmonton and area. Now, every product is a little different. Um, every market's a little different, you know, older deferred maintenance properties don't get that. They'll get like a thousand bucks for rent and brand new stuff attracts really higher quality tenant. We'll get image anywhere between 2000 and 2400. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Russell, I appreciate that you, you, we have to talk in broad strokes when we, when we, yeah. when we, when we first introduce this type of subject. Now, can you drill down a bit more into, uh, what you're focusing on these days before we were recording, you mentioned, uh, mid, I don't know, there's a term for it. I call it middle term rentals middle-term rentals, so not short-term, not long-term? Well, there, there's two things. So, so essentially, there's three thrusts that I'm doing within my real estate portfolio. And it all focuses around new construction, like brand new properties, high-quality properties, designing them with the builder, designing from the ground up, building them, get, put my fingerprint, put my our team's blueprint on it, and just design really high-quality stuff that people want, Okay. Alberta, and I believe Canada is positioned, and we, we can talk maybe later about this, but I think Canada is positioned to be a world leader on, on the marketplace out there right now. And within Canada, I believe Alberta is the greatest opportunity for the next decade. That's my personal belief based upon what I see, and I see markets across the country. So what I'm now doing is I'm starting to pivot my uh, portfolio when I get a new house built. We're adding like twenty thousand dollars, you know. I just that's a rough number to the to the purchase price, and we're fully furnishing them, and we're going to rent them out as fully furnished, suited prop, fully furnished houses, duplexes, even maybe an apartment condo if it makes sense, right? So we're going to start putting a, a furniture package in there. We're going to start attracting insurance displacement insurance claims. We're going to attract corporate housing. Um, we're going to attract um, seniors housing. We're going to attract in between if there's maybe something in between, maybe an Airbnb, but I don't want to go to that level, right? So you add a little bit to the purchase price, you get it fully, fully furnished. Now rents go on those places. Let's say they were 2,200 for a straight rental. Rents go into like the $4,500 a month range, give or take. Maybe Sorry, even up to five double? grand. They more, they more than double. Right. When you start doing furnished properties, insurance claims, corporate housings, all those kind of things, it's, you're attracting people that instead of going to staying in a hotel for six months, they're going to live in a nice townhome mm -hmm. that um, they will have everything, all the amenities there. And we're, we're building these townhomes for 300 to 350. Right. So you're getting, let's say you're getting a property, a townhome, a nice townhome. And here's the beautiful thing. If you can really do it you, and you can really do it, you get eight of them. You build eight of them for under three million bucks. Okay. And then you, you start strategically and they're all, they're freehold. There's no condo fees on those. And you strategically put maybe two of them as corporate housing, two of them as insurance claims, and then the rest are straight rentals. And you get your rents anywhere from two grand up to $4,500 across the board with no, with no condo fees. And then you hang on to that eight unit building, if you will, for, for better part of, you know, five to 10 years. And then you slowly over time start strata titling it and selling them off individually as one unit at a time, right? You buy by the yard and sell by the foot eventually. So it's essentially, you know, and I'm talking about in price points that, you know, 
two and a half to $3 million and you can get a six to eight unit townhome project all in. And some people right. are sitting there going, I, I'm looking out in my neighborhood where, where I live out around this area. And uh, geez, a house, <laughs> one house is 1.6 to $2.2 million just for a house. A teardown, right? Well, <laughs> in, yeah, in many cases, in many, in many cases, right? So, so almost for the same price, like, and I can guarantee a house in our neighborhood would probably rent for, um, let's call it four grand. At the most, it would rent for four grand. Okay. Let's say you get an eight unit condo or eight unit townhome project. You're looking at eight times, and let's just put it in average terms. Let's say it's 2,500 bucks. I know if I can get more, that's $20,000 a month. Right. So I don't have to be a rocket surgeon to figure out that something that generates $20,000 a month would probably have a greater chance of cash flowing than something that generated $4,000 a month. All right. You have to be a rocket surgeon that can land the rocket. Right. That's right. Then, That's then you right. can then you can figure this out yeah. to compare rockets to shuttles. Sorry, I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, <laughs> um, well, I hear you. I hear you, Elon. Right. Okay. <laughs> but isn't uh, he, he's now Elon is now what he's in that one name category, right? Like you know Madonna and you know yeah, yeah. things like that. He's one name, right? And that's his actual name though, which is kind of cool too. Um, so uh, sorry, I have some questions for the townhomes. Can you sweep the basements? Can you? You you like, can. I I've seen people do that. You don't like um, it? I don't. I don't for a couple things. Is number one is in my personal opinion, you're stuffing way too many people in oh, too small of a space. Think of all the um, rent money. What, you what you're typically doing with that is you have to take out the de the attached garage and turn that into a suite. So what you uh, do is you lose parking. Now, what I want to do is I want to have a good experience. I want a parking in the in the garage. I want a parking on the the apron leading up to the garage, and then I also right. want street parking. So if you take out that parking, that inside parking, mm -hmm. you lose at least four to six parking spots mm -hmm. and you have a mm -hmm. bad tenant experience with, mm -hmm. with people. You will always forever be fighting an uphill battle of parking right, right. Um, with things. And that's one of the biggest complaints people have of tenants have is they have lack of parking and they can't park in front of their place and they have to walk and they have to go all this way around and stuff like that. So just design it. And to, in my opinion, for that extra thousand dollar for the one bedroom basement suite, I'd much rather have parking and charge more for the for the full place. Got it. And you, you likely have less drama between tenants oh, as well. Absolutely. Less tenant complaints. Now, now, don't get me wrong on a on a house like a freestanding single family house. I do put suites in them. Mm -hmm. Because we have a detached garage where you have, you can put two cars in the garage, you can put two cars on the apron and you have, and we always buy corner lots is what our primary model is. And you can probably park like four or five cars around the, around the perimeter of the property. So on a single family property, um, I go with suites all day long, but not on a attached semi or townhome or something like that. I just don't this like This is that. also new construction? Now, I know lots of people that are doing it. I really, I know lots of people that are doing it. And they're, they potentially are doing well. It's just not for me. I would much rather have a better tenant experience than to just squeeze every dollar out of the lemon, if you will. Right. Come on. I'm kidding. A tease. <laughs> we have enough folks on this on the show that try to squeeze every dollar and yeah. cent. <laughs> uh, question well, about the townhomes. In, in where, where I'm investing, we don't have to, to be honest. You can, you know, you can afford when you're buying those for 300000 you can, you don't have to squeeze every nickel and dime and get the basement rented and rent by the room. You don't have to do that. But mm -hmm. if you're, if you're paying 700 to 900 for the same thing, you got to get all that or else you mm -hmm. just, just don't work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to make a jab about politics. No, so I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to make any jokes about politics. They no, I'm going to make the joke. They do it. They do enough of that on their own, so that yeah. I don't have to make a joke about it. Okay, so tell me if you heard this one before. So the NDP party for the province of Ontario, their platform includes to remove all rental increases, including in between tenants when tenants turn on themselves over. So a new level, brand new level of rent control I've never seen before. So then I'm sure I'm confident that they've planned that they would also control all the costs. So my costs would be the same uh, for maintenance as what the previous landlord paid as well. And then we can make this work. So we're all, it's win, 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 win. Everyone's going to win in this. And we're, we're talking about Kathleen, win, 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 win. Is that what No, that's liberal. So? That's liberal. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. Sorry. Who, uh, <laughs> she lost very badly the last election. <laughs> Erwin, I, I, I don't even know where to start. 
without <laughs> I think you just ended right there. Like, there's nothing to talk well, about. Like, how is it even now, how is it feasible? <laughs> here's something for people to consider. Now, I'm going to mention a book reference. I'm going to mention a fairly obscure book, and it's like it's long, and I I haven't even read it all. I've just actually just started, the, and I I'm familiar with it. I've listened to summaries of it. Um, if you ever read Atlas Shrugged by Anne Rand. The premise of the story is Atlas, the Greek god who carries the weight of the world on his shoulder, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then the whole concept of the book is what would happen if Atlas shrugged and did not carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. And it was a whole story around what would happen to society if the people that are producing, <laughs> the people that are creating the results, the entrepreneurs, the people that are, are you know, taking the risks, the people that are, are producing all the goods and services for everyone else. What would happen if that, that group of people shrugged and decided that it just ain't worth it anymore? Now, just imagine, take that analogy to the Ontario housing market. If you as a landlord... Why would you take all that risk on if you cannot change your rents and charge what you need to do to make a little bit of a profit to be able to help your future? You would just sit there and shrug and say, no, thank you. It's not for me. I'll go to Florida. I will go to Alberta. I'll go elsewhere. Then what do you think is going to happen to the rental stock? It'll probably be absorbed by government. And then government oh, has God. a really good track record of having good housing, don't they? I don't think people that understand. Was, that was sarcasm. Right. <laughs> I've seen it personally. I've seen government run housing. Yeah. You know, like in Hamilton, for example, there's lots of houses that are boarded up because yeah. they don't have the money to maintain them. So I just the, the only caution is and I know I know the government of Ontario is not listening to your podcast, no, which not. they should. They should be one of the 17 that listen. There's no more room. Um, we capped it. <laughs> like, OK, good. They just need to be careful that they don't disincentivize the producers the people that are taking the risks. And what is the incentive for somebody to take risk is that person needs to make profit. They really do so that they can then hire people and then they can uh, get yeah. spend money down at Home Depot, that then they can hire the handyman, the cleaners, the property managers, the uh, appraisers, the mortgage brokers, the realtors, all those kind of things. And they can employ and, and have that money keep circulating. If they're not incentivized to do that, they'll just say, yeah, no, thanks. I'll try something else. And then what happens when you lose when you lose all your listeners who are landlords and rental housing providers? Once you lose them, man, I'd, I'd turn the lights out on the last person that leaves. Sorry to be graphic. We have a one percent vacancy rate in most in most towns around the GTA. So yeah. imagine if all the renters, all the landlords, sold. Yeah, because I'd definitely be selling a, lot, a chunk of my portfolio if that if the NDP ever. Well, a that. lot of people are, well, it's a lot of people doing that already over the past couple of years. You, you've mm -hmm. had people that you've interviewed on your show that have sold properties, sold part of their portfolio and divested into other markets. Mm -hmm. right? Oh, I don't know if Alberta, you... Alberta being one, but the US being another one, right? I actually think Alberta will be getting even more. I, don't, uh, I only found on the weekend that the government in New Brunswick passed rent control. Yeah. Uh, they're just, it's for one year, but a lot of I knew a lot of people that went to New Brunswick because they didn't have rent control and, yeah. and good value. I don't know. Stuff well, is a lot cheaper than everything here. <laughs> here. Think about this for a second, Irwin. Two scenarios that I just, sometimes I shake my head and I'm not trying to be piling on or anything is name me one other business. And this is truly a business. We treat this as a rental housing provider. We treat it like a business. Mm -hmm. Name me one other business where you are capped at what you can charge your customers. There's not too many. If there is, I, I could be wrong. And somebody please comment down below of a business like that, right? So that's yeah. number one. And the other thing that baffles me, especially in Ontario, is if a tenant stops paying you, <laughs> in my opinion, that's, you know, sorry if this is really, I'm going really out there, but that, in my opinion, that's theft in some respects. And you have no rights to recoup or recover or it takes you years to be able to do that. And that person could literally be there for years mm -hmm. before you can actually get them out. And then what you have to eventually do, Erwin, is you have to reward their bad behavior by paying them money to leave. You oh, reward please. them. I'll, I hope no tenants are listening to this. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry to say that. Like that's graphic. It's, it, so here's the thing. And that's true. Just to verify. Yes, that, that is true. I know many people who pay tenants to leave, even though they owe the money. Yeah. So you just rewarded them for for bad behavior. Yeah. Now, and then they now post I, it on Facebook and tell all their friends. And Yeah. And, and then, so... Up until recently, 
in Ontario, and I'm not piling on Ontario, many investors and rental housing providers turned, they said, okay, I can live with this because I've been, look at the appreciation. Wow. I just made, I made 150,000 bucks over the last year. I made $200,000. You can turn a little bit of a blind eye and you could just, you can tolerate that a little bit. Now, just imagine if the market softened, it slowed, and you were not able to get your, you know, double digit appreciations, and you had to rely on the cash flows. How do you now think about your rental portfolio now? Would you rethink what you're doing? And I had those for, I had that for many years in Alberta, Mm -hmm. where we had, you know, we had a softening in the marketplace. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen in any other place, but we had a softening in the marketplace. Rents actually went down. And we were unable to raise our rents. We had an outflow of people. We had to kind of just grin and bear it. We had no appreciation for a decade. Right. So negative. And it was negative in many respects. Yeah. Right. So guys and gals, if you are in Ontario, is by all means, you need to have the cash flow to absorb the ups and downs over if you have a slowdown in the marketplace. Now, I, I'm a firm believer that there are still some really good underpinnings that are going on out there that will keep the market high. People are moving in, costs and red tape. You have, um, you know, places to grow act where you actually can't build. Um, it's a very desirable place for people to come. There's going to be some underpinnings that will mm-hmm. keep it from a catastrophic drop. Right? Our local unions as well, I I only heard this, I haven't read it myself yet, but uh, I believe that the unions want a a 50% wage increase as well. So that will just increase the cost of building here in Ontario. It will, 100%. And there's all the red tape and all the government interventions and all the fingers in the pie and the the land transfer taxes and all those kind of things. It's all getting more expensive. (laughs) Well, absolutely. So it's going to keep the price high. Yeah. But the one thing you have to be very mindful of is, and this is something I question all the time is... um, I think Scooby's questioning too. Yeah, Scooby's, Scooby wants inside. Do you mind if I go uh, let him in? Go Just give me a second. <laughs> now that the boss is back. I... <laughs> yeah. The peanut gallery was not impressed with what you were sharing. <laughs> he was starting to get a little restless there. So where was I going? I was I was talking about that. Um, oh, underpinnings. Yeah. The underpinnings. Though, Inflation. 100%. But here's yeah. the one thing I have. And I, I view where I live out in the lower mainland of BC, very similar to many of the markets you guys have in Ontario. And I sit here and two things. We have three kids, 24, 22, and 19. And two of them really want to leave home. They really do. And go where? <laughs> and, and, but here's the thing. They have down payment. Oh, good. Between, between Crean and I and money in the bank and grandparents and stuff like that, they have down payment. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. But here's the thing, a townhome in this area and a condo in this area are 700 to 900 to a million dollars. That's a good deal. My son just got a job with the city of Coquitlam and he's making probably 30 bucks an hour, which is pretty good. Like really, that's pretty decent. But he's sitting there and they're running the numbers in between he and his girlfriend. They're going, how are we supposed to, you know, even if we had a hundred thousand dollar down payment to put in, maybe even two, if they can find it. They go, how are we going to make a payment on $700,000 mortgage, right? But the income, so they're going to have to probably double up and have friends and live with a whole bunch of things and do what they have to do. Or our son and our daughter are seriously looking at moving to Alberta. Are they really? moving to a different marketplace, right? You're going to let them so far well, away? I know Crean, Crean will have to, once grandbabies come, Crean will sit there and go, no, no, either <laughs> we're going to be moving to with them or we, they have to move back home. But here's the thing is, you know, Marcus's job is with the city of Coquitlam, right? And so it really, he can't do that remotely. He has to be there. So, but he's getting some skill that he could transfer that somewhere else. So what I'm, where I'm really trying to go to is the question I have is who are going to be the first time home buyers to get into the market, to have people then move up the property ladder, to buy the next place, to buy the next place, to then go buy the single family homes and then just keep trading up. If you have an entire generation that just can't afford to get into the marketplace. It's going mm-hmm. to cause some pain. But the other thing on the other side is um, how many parents are like me with three kids still living at home too that want to move out eventually. There's probably a large cohort of millennials that want to get out and actually do want to own, but they just can't afford it right now. 
So there's going to be, that's another point I'm trying to make is that's going to be another underpinning to the demand, future demand for Canadian housing. And then when you start factoring in the immigration numbers and you start factoring in. I heard it's going up. Oh, (laughs) I heard it was 1.5 million over the next say three or four years or something like that. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's creeping over 450 a year is what the plan is. But nobody has done any, in my personal opinion, nobody's done any planning. So here's the analogy that I've used the other day. Wait, 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 hang on. You and I have done some planning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, hundred percent. But but they're likely done some planning. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's why we want rental housing to to provide uh, stock for those people. But here's the analogy I would use. And maybe this is on a grand political side is let's say you have you're having a house party right Mm -hmm. and you've got food and rations and you got a beautiful house you have lots of you have lots of lots of room in your house like lots of room right but you're only planning for 30 people to come over so you got the food (laughs) and the drink and everything for 30 people yeah but all of a sudden now somebody goes out and invites 160 people to come in (laughs) What's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen at your house party? Everybody's going to have to only have one little hoity-toity or something yeah. like that. And you're going to have to share drinks or something like that. Like Scarcity does not promote happiness. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't. So, you know, we sit here and we, as a country, we have what the world wants. We really do. And there's seven things I believe that Canada has in abundance. And it's almost an, an embarrassment of riches. And we're embarrassed to actually utilize it to invite the world to invite the in this world. climate especially in this yeah. world right now <laughs> no it's like canada is in the world like take it in from a world perspective in my opinion canada should be a world leader it should be a world leader in economics it should be a world leader in social policy it should be a world leader in a safe haven for people to come to it's a world leader in hockey right even though the yeah. leafs don't know how to get past the first they, round they, they, yeah yeah that's not there we're going to that part it's a world leader in and <laughs> and and double doubles and coffee right so it it, it really coffee has consumption the, yes <laughs> yeah, it's a world it's and also slurpy consumption too right seriously yeah yeah Okay. It, it, it is an absolute world leader. And I, I'm actually working on a video and a presentation. It's called, it's called the, the seven things that Canada has to mm-hmm. offer the world. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to jump in here really quick with a quick financing tip. Our good friends from Streetwise Mortgages are back again with more financing tips. This one is all about getting the most value from your refinance. So if you're refinancing a property, make sure you follow these special tips in order to maximize your refinancing. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And today I will share with you a tip on how to get the best value for a property you're looking to refinance. Number one, avoid system appraisals. While system appraisals may be cheaper or free of charge, they can only support the value based on the sold comparables in the area. They do not take into consideration any unique characteristics about your property. Therefore, in my view, it is best to go with an actual appraiser's visit, even if it costs you a little bit more. Number two, if you have renovated or improved the property, share with the appraiser or your mortgage broker an executive summary that includes the following. Before and after pictures, a list of the work done, how much you spent, any permits, and any sold comparables within the past 90 days that your realtor can provide. And finally, number three, working with a mortgage broker will give you better leverage in resolving any value discrepancies with the appraiser versus working directly with the lender. If you're looking to refinance a property or wish to develop a complementary financing roadmap to grow your portfolio, our team at Streetwise Mortgages will help you unlock your possibilities. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. Okay, can we go through the seven again? Yeah. So guys, if you are listening to this, pen and paper, pen and paper time. There are seven things that Canada oh, has. Just for, for listeners' benefit, I always have pen and paper when my guests are here. So I know some of you guys are folks are driving. So, okay, okay. Otherwise, if you're not driving, if you're 
Actually, you're all doing something else. I know you are. <laughs> so, you're, yes, every, pen and paper is a good idea. Knowing your, <laughs> knowing your 17 listeners, Erwin, every one of them is on the treadmill or on a cycle or do it. They're working out right now. They're sitting there uh, lifting weights yeah. and everybody's healthy and fit, right? Exactly. So the good news is with all seven of these things, they all start with the letter F. Okay. Uh-oh. So to make it simple, because I'm from Saskatchewan, I want things simple and I want to be able to remember them. Okay. So I'm going to list all seven of them first and then I'll come back and we'll touch on a couple of them. Um, so the seven things, and they all begin with the letter F is fuel, food, fertilizer, forestry, fresh water, future, and friendly. So those are the seven things that Canada has to offer the world. Now, if you want, we can start at the bottom and go back up. Do you need me to repeat those for you, Irwin? Yeah, it's I missed one. I fuel, got, I got food, fertilizer, forestry, fresh water, future, tech, and friendly values, culture. Right. Got it. I missed the future. Yeah. So I can start there. It's really, Canada in one hand is branding themselves a little bit as a tech provide a tech hub. Calgary is doing phenomenally attracting good tech talent. Ontario, Toronto is an absolute tech hub as well with things. So I just had to add know, to that though, what we're going to have serious challenges if we don't improve our housing affordability issues though. Oh, 100%, 100%, <laughs> right? That's that. But then that goes to a couple other things that we talked about before. So that's the future. The friendly of the seven Fs is, you know, Canada's Canadian values, right? We have, we have values. We have friendly people. We have an immigration policy that will welcome people in, right? We have healthcare. We have all those kind of wonderful things. We have amazing family values, right? And Canada is seen in a world market, should be seen as a safe haven and a friendly place to come to. It really Mm -hmm. is. We're Canadians. We're friendly, right? That's the future is the tech. Fresh water. I don't have to say that too much, man. You're you're you probably look out your window and see a big giant lake out there, and we got we got abundance of fresh water, and we haven't even talked about what fresh water is in the north. Just imagine, you know, let's let's take for example, let's let's talk about say India, right, and places like that. They're trying to be an emerging market, and they're sitting there going, "Well, we have no fresh water. Where do we right. get the water from to do all this right. kind of stuff?" Like, like we have California, an embar- right? Absolutely, California. We have an embarrassment of riches with that. How about forestry? Right. We have some of the largest forests in the world, you know, that and I'm not saying go knock down and cut every tree out in the boreal forest and stuff like that. But if you have a really good forestry plan where you cut down trees and you keep replanting and replenishing, we have something that we can provide all the housing requirements, the the sticks, if you will, to do that. The next is fertilizer. Housing, yes. Fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Fertilizer and food. I would talk to those two would probably be together mm-hmm. is like here, here's what baffles me sometimes. I'm sorry if I'm getting <clears throat> fired up here. So we have in the prairies, we have some of the largest world-class potash mines in the world. And we take the potash from there and we ship it all the way across the, the, the world to other places to take the potash and turn it into fertilizer. And then they ship it back to put the fertilizer on your grass that was seven miles away from where they actually got the potash from originally, right? We have an opportunity, I believe, to, like one of the things that they're talking about with food production is because of fertilizer. If you think of what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and that they're some of the largest fertilizer producers in the world, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they use Canadian potash to do all that, right? Just imagine if we actually took care of our own itch and we actually produced our own fertilizer here right? That you could use that fertilizer to then put onto the crops to then grow your own food here. Now, one of the things that I'm seeing is there's a lot of, you know, a a trend towards taking crops and turning it into um, biofuels and other things like that. Like, man, we need the food producing to be able to feed our country, to feed North America, to feed feed our people. Right. And then that's the not feed our cars. Well, exactly. (laughs) And then after that, the last one is fuel and energy, which is a really hot button in Canada. But we have a world class, environmentally conscious energy sector in this Mm -hmm. country Mm -hmm. that rivals anywhere in the world. But honest to goodness, we don't do anything with it. For example, when was the last time we actually had some hydroelectric produced? Right. Well, we have a Site C dam going up in northern British Columbia, but where's the next one? 
what's the next thing going? If everybody's moving to Teslas and everybody's moving to electric vehicles and everybody's getting an incentive, I saw this wonderful accountant that put this amazing video out on how you can get like a $30,000 incentive to go buy your electric vehicle. If everybody's going that route, where's the electric coming from? Right? Why do we not have more hydroelectric? Why do we not, you know, this might be a hot button for people, but why do we not explore our nuclear energy? Things have changed so much in the nuclear industry of creating power. We have the space in the north to create this. We have the uranium. We can probably have more power and electrical up the wazoo than we will ever need with any of that kind of stuff. And that doesn't even count of what we have as in within our oil and gas industry as well. And you need safe and reliable, inexpensive source of energy to create new sources of energy, right? So I think Canada is sitting on an absolute gold mine that they're afraid to properly use it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to sit there and go just rape and pillage the land and sell everything off and stuff like that. But honest to goodness, we have we have the, the brain power here. We have the technology. We have the engineers. We have the schools, the McGill's, all these schools that just provide amazing technology uh, innovations. And we have the resources, right? If you sit there and said that all the stuff that I just li listed off in seven things, if you said that to another country, and let's say the country started with the letter C and ended with the letter A, and, and then there's a Haina in between there. If you said, China, you had all these things at your disposal to use, don't you sit there and go, oh, man, what we can do with all of that? They go in right? a couple levels. They, they, well, absolutely. They would be an absolute They could take it by Russia. They would be a juggernaut of an economic superpower of what they would do that. And not even counting the rare earth minerals of lithiums and all that kind of stuff. It's like... I'm sorry if I'm fired up, but I'm a Canadian and I'm a proud Canadian and I think we're blowing it. We're really blowing it as a country. And that's, sorry if I got a, on a soapbox and going on a little rant there, but I think we have what the world is looking for and we have an opportunity to be a world leader and a world superpower and one of the wealthiest countries in the world, to be honest. Yeah, we're really lucky. I don't know if people, we, most people understand we're really lucky. You yeah. know what we don't have though? You said we have lots of resources. You know what we don't have? We don't have pipelines. <laughs> <laughs> and the one that we're building, I, think I heard, I read, inflation caused the project to go up seventy thousand, seventy percent. Yeah. Well, good, great investment. We potentially do, but but we have a problem with a pipeline, but we have no problem shipping a tanker across the ocean and putting our oceans at risk. Yeah, and shipping uh, a tanker of oil from Europe. Saudi Arabia, wherever, and sending it up to St. Lawrence, into, or no, not we'll go to St. Lawrence, we'll go to Eastern Canada to the refineries out there. We have no problem with that. The funniest one I ever saw was when they actually shipped some oil to Western Canada to put it on a boat to send it to Eastern Canada. <laughs> Anyways, I'm getting all. We could be on this forever, though. Yeah. yeah, like, and and I'm just working on a little bit of an op-ed piece, a new video on that on the whole thing. Is that you know right, Canada. Right. We got what the world needs. Let's mm -hmm. not be afraid. Let's and not be afraid. Let's step. Part, let's step into our power. And this is part of your announcement that you're entering the race to be an MP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. I probably have way your too many. Your platform sounds better than buying Bitcoin, man. I don't know. I have way, <laughs> I have way too many skeletons in my closet. <laughs> probably I don't want coming out. I'm th all I got to say is thank goodness there was no such thing as social media when I was in high school or in, when I was in my university days and bartending at the Patricia Hotel in Saskatoon and uh, and and partying my face off during. I turned a four year degree into a five year party. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad, if you're hearing, but <laughs> you can be campaign manager for Corinne as she runs for MP. There you go. Yeah, yeah, she's the saint. Like, honest to goodness, is Saint Corinne. Right? We need some of that. Do some of that in Ottawa. Yeah, well, I think I think one of the things that we do need, and no, I'm not. I wasn't dismissing what you say. I think we do need more real people in politics as opposed to career politicians. Yeah, it's like it's if somebody just messy. is if somebody is the the only thing they've ever done has been a politician all their all their life. I don't think they have good perspective of somebody who's had to make payroll and somebody who is sitting there going, oh my goodness, 
my tenants have nicer appliances than I do because I had to replace all of four pro- rental properties. And oh, by the way, my wife comes with me. When are you gonna, we ever going to replace our stove that's on, on its last leg? And, and all those kind of things. Or you're sitting there at the gas station and you're going, okay, I got these four credit cards, but this one here is the renovation on 47th Street. This one here, oh man, I I don't know what's there. And you're sitting there going, I think I got enough room on this credit card to put on a tank of gas. Yeah, it's, the system's broken. Right, we just have to, you have to have real people in politics again. People that have been there, done that. Yeah, what real person's going to run and do it? <laughs> it's an awful job. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I don't wish it upon anybody. And that's where I, I know we complain and we're entrepreneurs and we complain. But at the same time, I have a 100% empathy for what the oh, people yeah. are doing. Terrible job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's why, and I might push a few buttons, which is totally okay. But I have a feeling your 17 listeners will probably lean a little bit more towards the capitalistic side and a little bit more towards the conservative side of things. That's why I'm really gravitating towards the, the Pierre Paulo, Pauli, Polyev, 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 I believe it's pronounced. I, I'm yes. really gravitating towards his platform of what he's saying is I believe in putting people to work. I believe in responsibly taking what we have as a country to offer to the world, to sell goods and services, not let people come in and just buy our stuff, but offer that to the world of what people have. I believe in taking care of our own needs first, right? And North America's needs too. Oh, he's going to piss off some people with uh, his reducing red tape. And I can see him trying to uh, get rid of exclusionary zoning as well. And that's going to piss off a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. But here's the thing is in order to, and I'm, and I'm very, fiscally conservative in my belief, but I'm also quite, you know, liberal in my social policy, what I believe socially. But I'm a realist that understand that you need money in order to cover the social programs. I mm-hmm. I am so grateful that uh, if I had something go wrong with my ear and I needed some drops to it, I could go down to a clinic five minutes away and it wouldn't cost me anything and to, to go see a doctor and I could do that. I'm very gracious for that. But I'm also realistic to know that that costs money and that has to come from somewhere. It doesn't come mm-hmm. from nowhere. It comes from... Transfer um, payments from Alberta. <laughs> 100% agree. 100% agree. Hey, come on. We haven't had transfer payments in years, but we used to get a lot. It's <laughs> the short memory of Canadians. <laughs> it's coming again. Coming again. Well, you know, well good. our good friends just to the east of you, they you know get the lion's share of that. That's why even shorter term memory <laughs> exactly <laughs> anyways i'm Erwin. Uh, you always get me fired up when i start apologies cranking away here i no, tend just, to get people angry <laughs> i i'm not i'm not angry and i'm not upset i'm passionate is really it is and and i'm i'm passionate for our country and I'm passionate for the people that ever want to listen to me that are ever part of my tribe and ever part of my community or ever part of my group. I'm passionate fighting for our community. I'm passionate for, you know, providing top-notch resources to pour into other people, right? I'm very passionate about mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. are you passionate about masterminds? I have a note to talk oh, about masterminds. Well, yes. Here's the thing. For the last year, I've been I've been told that I need to put one together. And I said, well, I don't know. Everybody and their dog is kind of doing this kind of yeah. the mastermind thing. Yeah. And, and everyone said, and their was, dog's a coach too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I'm sitting there going, so many people just keep saying, Russ, we need to, you need to put one together. You have a great community. You have a great uh, list of, of people. You need to really build this out. And I said, you know, I'm not hundred percent convinced before I'm going to pour into a project for literally a year to three, I want to make sure that I can make it worthwhile. So for the last year, I've been actually um, studying the mastermind model. And I've been, I've been through one, two, I think I've through four different mastermind groups, some free, some extremely high paid. And I'm just trying to find the model that really would work, that would deliver the most amount of value to people. And one of the biggest challenges I see with most, there's a, there's a few challenges I see with most mastermind programs, and I'm, I want to solve them. The big challenge I see, number one, is most people put everybody into one group. So you you literally could be sitting there with a person that is just buying the first place and somebody who has $20 million portfolio, right? And there's function to have that group of people in the same room. But at the same time, the person that's just buying the first is going, what am I going to talk to the person that has 20 million, right? And the person at 20 million, what am I going to talk? So 
I believe in having as a starting point of having them broken into really tight niched groups of like people in the same aspirational targets, right? Having, and one of my core philosophies and my tagline is to, you know, help real estate investors start growing scale, the real estate investing portfolio of their dreams. So I'm sitting there going, I go, well, what would I do? Well, let's have a starting group, a growing group and a scaling group, right? And depending on where the thing comes out is, you know, somebody is, maybe it's the one to five property group. It's the five to, you know, 50 group and it's the 50 plus or whatever. I haven't finalized that yet. So that's the the starting point. Is just you in the fifty plus group? <laughs> plus, but here's here's the thing. That's that's actually one of the bigger challenges. Time properties not age here. So fuck, yeah. So that's a challenge that I see out there right now. Is a lot of masterminds make it about the leader only, and and everybody just kind of hides in the group, and they just watch the leader, and all all the leader does is just, well, here's my deals, and I'm doing this, this, and this, and this, that, and the other, and everybody just sits there and go, wow, look at that one person, look at what they're doing, and they feel like they're moving forward. I'm going to make my masterminds, I'm going to be the least important person in the group, to be honest. I'm going to hire the experts, the Les Hewitts, the Dan Sullivans, the top-notch people to come in and, and, and teach. But more importantly, I want the participants to be the heroes of it. Each, you're, you're going to, you know, Erwin, you're going to lead the next group through and here's your assignment and I will lead and help you facilitate to help you be a leader. But then you're going to share what you're doing down in your area and building your business. But then you're going to be the person on the hot seat leading the community and we're going to grow as a group as opposed to just one person, right? And then the other one I, I see is a, a challenge a lot of time is a lot of masterminds are, I call them afterthoughts, that people will sit there and they'll put it together and it's an afterthought to everything else they have on the go and they don't know how to facilitate and oh, by the way, it's just something they threw together and it's a part-time you know, afterthought as opposed to somebody who takes a year or three years and that's their full-time focus is every day they wake up and their mandate is how do I make sure this masterminds win with the right team, the right facilitation, the right leadership, the right education, the right growing, all that kind of stuff. So those are kind of the three things that I'm, I'm leaning towards on, on when I'm bringing mine out. And it's going to be later this fall when I've kind of finalize it and you know oh, no dates. i still have more details but the, the big thing i have to first do is determine if i'm going to make the commitment for the year to three years because it's a big deal it is a very big deal it's like you literally almost have to put everything else aside to be able to just pour into a group of people for an entire year and that's i have tell myself is if i'm not prepared to do that and make that commitment i won't do it because it's a lot of work. It really isn't. Oh, yeah. Some people just sit there and go, oh, well, you know, putting a podcast out or a YouTube video or a coach or a mastermind or something like, oh, yeah, it's just all they, they talk, think about all the money it makes and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work to do that, especially if if you want to do it right. No dates. <laughs> well, I'm leaning towards October. But I have to, I'm very, sorry, I'm, I'm being, like I said, for the last year, I've been thinking about it. And it's to the point where I'm, I'm now at the point right now where I'm talking to people to be who's, not the how's. Like I'm trying to reach out to, I don't want to just do it this all by myself. I want to have a core group of people that as a team, we do this together. Mm -hmm. And Erwin, you are going to be one of the people I'm going to be talking to about this down the road if you're interested. Um, you know the likes of we can talk. You know, like the likes. I, I know of, how involved it is. So yeah, I, and and if that's it's after what the I conference. <laughs> well, we most <laughs> most people. So what I would do is I would take that on for everybody, but I would probably need a half a dozen of people that would be professionals and experts that can help contribute. I'm not looking for somebody to take it all on, but I'm looking mm -hmm. for some cool people that are of servant hearts, people that have the same values that I do and people that really just want to pour into others, you know, like the likes of a rich Danby, Thomas Byers, you know, people like that within the community that can help out Michael mm -hmm. Bugs, like just, just some really genuine, amazing people that have a servant's heart. So, yeah, because uh, we need more of that. Too many, too many big projects, big people. 
falling. <laughs> I, I don't want this to happen. So what that means is for me is I have to just, I have to be a little more efficient with all the projects I'm taking on. Like I'm, I'm starting to with, for example, in my Edmonton portfolio, I'm trying to hand off a lot more of the, the service to other. And I'm actually just very soon to be probably, here's the thing. I have a lot of people coming to me all the time wanting to invest in projects. I recommend Canada, bar none, 100% invest in Canada. And in my personal opinion, the best place in Canada is Alberta. However, not everybody likes Canada. Not everybody wants to invest in Alberta for whatever reason. And I'm not going to argue with people. I have a lot of people coming to me that want to invest in the States. And I've yet to find a project that I would like to align with and, and really align with. And I finally found one with a, a person who I'm going to be doing a joint venture with. We're going to be probably going down into Texas where he's moving his family down there and he's going to be doing, you know, that furnished home model that we talked about that I was looking to do in Alberta. That's where I got mm -hmm. the idea to do that because he's taking that model from British Columbia and he's taking it down into the Texas market, into Austin, uh, or Austin, any particular Austin market? the suburbs of Austin. And I'm going to be Elon probably, those parts. <laughs> we just about finalized our joint venture arrangement for doing that too, right? Fantastic. So, so I'm just going to stay in my lane. He's going to stay in his lane and we're going to see what we can do. Amazing. Yeah. So I believe energy is something that we need a lot of with the amount of people that are going to be coming to North America. Mm -hmm. Plus, mm -hmm. you know, you can say whatever you want about how many more people are going to be on the earth. I've seen forecasts that there might be two more, two billion more people on planet earth in the next oh, 20 God. plus years. Oh, um, we're going to need energy right? In order to hold people in planet earth, right? Uh -huh. So I'm looking towards places that are world leaders in safe, reliable, inexpensive, proven energy sources. Hopefully come, something comes out of Austin as well. <laughs> oh, that too. Well, there's an awful lot <laughs> of people they're that <laughs> they've moved to Austin, right? Of late and they're moving from, you know, not to get political Everywhere. again, but they moved from the blue, blue states. states to the red yeah. states, right? Yeah. So long way of saying it is there's lots on the go. And every day I'm pumped up and excited to, to, to hit the ground running each and every day. And, uh, you know, I'm always honored to have this conversation. I very rarely talk about what I'm up to. I really do. I, I actually talk more about what my clients and my students and, and people that I pour into. I talk more about what they're up to because they inspire me every day. Like, like last night I had a conversation with a, a fellow who was, um, he, he's on the pipeline. He's a welder by trade. He's welding on the pipelines and he Good. literally has an hour a day between lights out and this, that he can do stuff. And he's working like six weeks at a time and then a little bit off. He closed in the last six months, he closed on nine rental, nine properties in the last six months with an hour time frame in between his 14 hour plus shifts and he's taking on these projects and and I'm just so proud of when they do that and I tell him I go man you get the most production of anybody I know out of the day because you truly only have an hour to do it and he goes well I have no other choice he goes I'm fired up so I have hundreds of stories like that you know I think that person deserves more credit they want oh, they want it more than other people oh absolutely it's not, it's not just the time resources but they that's want actually they want what it. I what I help people get clear on that's the first part we start working together is they get clear on their vision board they get clear on their values they get clear on their goals and then they really I drill right down to a daily basis what are the five things you're doing today to drill up to your 12 month goals your 90 day priorities, your values, your vision. So I really get people really focused on what they're doing. And a lot can happen in a short period of time if you're focused every day on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Russell, thanks for coming on the show. Erwin, uh, we could go longer here, my friend. But, I know. Uh, I'm due for a haircut because I, I got to look good for my date with you next week. <laughs> <laughs> you too. I think you yes, need some trim um, around the ears. High and tight, high and tight, my brother, eh? <laughs> <laughs> now, Erwin, once again, I know I, I, I mentioned this at the start, but I just wanted to just thank you. You provide an incredible value for the real estate community by putting on an amazing platform for people to come on and just have little soapboxes to stand on every once in a while and, uh, and have this conversation and be just fired up. You're good for the community. And I'm from Saskatchewan. We have this old saying is use good people. Right. We need more of more Irwins and cherries in this world, by the way. You is use is a use good people conjunction for you. It you yes. are. 
Yeah. Something like that. We're not, we're not famous. Like you like U-S-E, use. <laughs> yeah, we're not famous for grammar in Saskatchewan, but you know what I meant? Use good people. <laughs> we, we try. We try. And there's a lot of challenges out there. And uh, I can't stand the fa- idea of people losing money and, and the markets and stuff and real estate. Any market. Crypto, stock, Amazon. Don't care. I feel bad for people. But uh, we try to shed light on some best practices on this show. Yeah. And sometimes during these times, it sheds the week. And it gets an opportunity for people to gain the strength to be able to endure. And and these are the gut check moments that people will sit there truly is, you know, one of the things I I always will ask the question is, and and here's the thing is when I put it out to people, coaching clients, just consultations I have with people, it's the conversation of what if, right? And when, when what if comes up, most people gravitate towards what if this doesn't work? What if I lose money? What if I fall flat in my face? They mostly gravitate towards the the negative to then try to protect themselves of, of loss, right? I sit there and I go, that's a very valuable question to ask, what if? But what if you win? What if you do the work? And what if it works out? What if it, you fall flat on your face? You get to find out what you're made of right? You get to galvanize a team and come up from the ashes, like the Phoenix from the ashes. And you get to, what if you fail, you actually get to prove what you're made of. But what if you win? What if it does, you get to actually prove what you're capable of if you produce the win. So what if is a very powerful question. What if you lose, turn it into a positive and how can you win? What if you win, what are you capable of? So both are very, very powerful questions. And I just want to maybe leave that with people here is ask the question, what if you win? What if you make Mm. this? What if you have your vision board? What if you accomplished every single thing on your vision board? What if you made a commitment, put a stake in the ground that you were going to bring Grant Cardone to Canada and you put on a big giant deposit on a venue and all this kind of stuff? And you could sit there and go, what if everything went wrong? But you could sit there and go, what if we win? What if we get 1,500 people out? What could happen, right? And I guarantee if you and Cherry focused on what would go wrong, you probably wouldn't have brought out that event. Yeah, every, but every day you thought about it probably, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> what, do you mean we gotta, what do you mean we got to write us another six-figure check? <laughs> oh, gee. And <laughs> getting butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> Russell, I'll see you in four days, five days. Good yes. luck soon. Yeah. Hey, uh, you mind if I give my website out if anyone's interested? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. where can folks follow you? Uh, simplest place is my website. My name, Russell Westcott, is the best place. But um, I'm growing my YouTube channel out. I'm having a lot of fun putting some killer YouTube videos together. So my name, Russell Westcott on YouTube, or uh, I also have a podcast too. So, and you want to know what the name of the podcast is? Yes. I'm just a big giant egomaniac and everything. So, so here's the story. (laughs) Here's the long story behind it is I hired a very expensive consulting firm to come in Uh and we went on a, on a retreat and we came out and we brainstormed, we whiteboarded for like an entire weekend and they came up with the, the, the name, the Russell Westcott podcast. Oh, that's that's a joke. By the way, that was Kareen and I going to Whistler and saying, Oh, I'm going to do a podcast. What should we call it? Why don't you just call it your name? Good idea. (laughs) I was actually thinking about calling my YouTube channel the, the Irwin experience, but that's yeah. enough. <laughs> my, <laughs> Russell, yeah. thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. So grateful that you're a friend of mine. Yeah. I can call you a friend and I can uh, get to see you next week. Yeah, honored to help. All right. Thanks, Russell. Hey, hey, hey. So, what did you think? Agree? Disagree? Indifferent? That I have some fighting words out there for, or, you know, got your dukes up, you know, Canada, Canada sucks, Rust, or you're in there, yeah, right on, Rust. Keep telling them, preach the gospel, right? Sing, you know, sing it from the mountaintops. <laughs> As you can tell, I was getting a little bit fired up and I was getting very, I was getting passionate. That's what I was doing. I, I, I like to do everything with a little bit of passion. If, if we don't have excitement and we don't have passion in what we do, then why bother even doing it? Really, like truly, why bother? So what were some of your key takeaways? Do you agree with what I said or do you disagree? I look forward to hearing the conversation. By all means, hit me up. Drop me some notes. Give me your perspective. Give me your thesis on 
why you agree or why you disagree. I would love to hear your rationale behind it. I am very open to, I'm not stuck in my echo chamber of things. I'm just, all I'm doing is I'm just reading the tea leaves and I'm reading the numbers and I'm reading the opportunities and I'm reading things that this world that we will need. And I'm just saying Canada has all these opportunities. I could be wrong by all means, please share why I'm wrong. Or if I'm right, please, by all means, I would be very happy to hear that as well. So more details to come. I have more information like this to come out. That's just my opening thesis of the seven things that Canada has to become a world leader, a world economic leader on this wonderful world of ours, this wonderful planet. And who, let's put it this way, even at the worst case scenarios, don't we need a little more Canada in this world? If there were more Canadians, Honestly, like, think about this for a second. If there were more Canadians in this world, you think this world would have fewer problems? I 100% agree with that. Okay, last thing I want to leave everybody here with is if you are interested in booking a consultation and having uh, a conversation, if you even just need a second pair of eyes, somebody just to bounce off what you're doing and just even just getting a a second pair of eyes of somebody who's been in the business of doing this for more than 20 plus years, I'm here to help. So wherever you're listening to this episode, there will be probably in the show notes, there will be a link for you to book a consultation. And as of the recording of this now, I can't guarantee when you listen to it, it will be free. But as of when I've recorded this, it is still 100% free, 45 minutes in my calendar. And that's one of the biggest gifts I can offer you. Okay, gang, link will be in the show notes below by wherever you see that, hit it up. And I'd love to have that conversation with you to help you take the next step. And then remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.